75. Yeah, we still alive. We're three quarters of 100 episodes. I know, that's hard to believe, dude. But I think we're going to make it. Yeah, I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. And this week we're doing the Purge Anarchy. Yeah, so we're continuing our run on the Purge franchise. From 2014. I want to start off first by apologizing... Who knows once the editing process is done, but there may be more background noise than normal because there is construction happening like next door and they have been using like a jackhammer on and off throughout the day. So yeah, so we might get some background interference. Yeah, right now, no jackhammer going. Can't guarantee that's going to continue. So Well, yeah, I think that's a good way to at least apologize in advance just in case. Yeah, apparently they decided to work through the fucking rain that we've been having. So anyway, like we already said, we're continuing with The Purge. We decided to do a whole month leading up to the release of The First Purge, which is really confusing. Yeah, not only that, it's kind of ironic in a sense, too. Yeah. Plus... There's going to be a TV show coming out and stuff. We figured it was time for us to finally get to the franchise. So if you missed out on the first installment, please go back and give it a listen. Yeah, I mean, if you want to hear our take on the first one, this way you can kind of catch up with how we're going along with the series. So yeah, I think it's a good recommendation. But before we start getting into the Purge itself, or Purge Anarchy itself, (laughs) we already got into the Purge itself. What do you have new for the week? Do we have news? I think I might have a little bit of news. I think you have a little bit of news. Yeah, I've got a couple of bits of information to share. One, I'll start off by stating that we've actually talked about it about a month ago, roughly, and it had to do with props and items being sold. Oh, I know what news you have. I read this just a couple days ago. So with that, Unearthed Films has reinstated their auction for the props used on a Serbian film. So we talked about the baby prop, there's costumes. I mean, there's all kinds of neat stuff. The baby prop got took off eBay. It certainly did. Yeah, eBay initially had these items up for auction. And it was like, what, just a few days after they put it up, they took it down. So Stephen Bureau, he wanted to put them back up. So if you're looking to either bid or you're just looking just out of curiosity's sake, you can find those items now on unearthfilms.com. It's on their website. Now, I know you frequent Unearthed a lot more than me. Is it true that they started a streaming service? They have, I think, a Vimeo channel. Oh, okay. Yeah, so there are some films available. And I think, you know, if you want to rent them or buy them, that's up to you. But they do have them available. If you're like us and you kind of like to jump a little bit towards the extreme at times. Oh, yeah, man. They're known for their extreme horror films. So for those who like more gore, a little bit more visceral images, I'd Uh, say hit them up. I was going to say, and we're probably going to be doing a few films from Unearthed. Yeah, I have quite a few in the collection, and I love them. I can think of one off the top of my head that we've mentioned. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Maybe two. I just don't remember the names of many of them. Uh, Yeah, I think we have some ideas. Yeah, I think there's a few from the Unearthed collection that we've talked about. Yeah, I'm a big fan. So, yeah, check those out if you're wanting to go a little bit more extreme. So with that, I've got a few other things. We have mentioned the fact that Pet Cemetery is getting a remake set for next year. And just a few hours ago, it was announced that initial shooting took place today. So I'm looking forward to that. See what happens. I know we've got some plans for the original. Nice. I know we've talked about that several times. So that information has been shared today. I was looking at some other information because I'm a fan of both of these films. One of them we have covered, and that was Tom Holland's child's play so the director tom holland and brad duraf were invited to chicago as a part of i think it's like a fright night and like i said uh, child's play reunion and they're going to screen those films and they're going to have the actors directors 
if you're a fan of Fright Night, they're going to have a makeup tutorial on the makeup used on Stephen Jeffrey, who played Evil Ed in oh, the okay. film. So, yeah, they've oh, got some cool. really cool shit lined up. If I were closer to Chicago, I'd consider it. So this is being set, I think, the first weekend in August. I did see some information because I am a fan of Dario Argento, and we've talked about this is Spiria. It's not a remake. It is a reimagining. Right. It's like modern day trying to keep the themes, but yeah. it's its own beast, supposedly. I think so. I mean, I already know initially that director, he did not want to use the same color schemes that Dario Argento is known for and is no stranger to in Suspiria, the original. So there's a little bit, you know, different telling, reimagining. I am looking forward to the score because Tom York is doing it. But the information I have to share is that it has gotten an R rating from the boards. And it has to do with images that are bloody and graphic nudity. So for those who are wondering, it is rated R. And it is coming out this November. And since it got its rating, that means the final cut is in the can. There's not going to be any more reshoots or no. anything because then they'd have to get it re-rated. So exactly, it is, they'd have to resubmit it. It is now finished. I'm looking forward to it. I was kind of on the fence when I first heard it announced way back when, but as more news has revealed itself and then seen the teaser trailer and then I talked about Tom York, I'm really looking forward to it, man. hope they do a good job. So the other bit of information I have, last bit of news, is that for those who are a fan of the Dexter series... Okay. The star, Michael C. Hall, has joined the cast of In the Shadow of the Moon. It's a Netflix series. It has some interesting people, if you're familiar with Logan, which I know you're a fan of. He's joined the cast that has the actor Boyd Holbrook, who is in Logan and Predator. Right. There's also Jim Mickey, who is uh, directing from the script by Gregory Weidman and Jeff Talk. So I'll keep my eyes out. I'm a big Michael C. Hall fan. There is a show that we're going to mention a little bit later on during the cast and crew Okay. that he was a part of because there's an actress that was a part of that series. You just mentioned Boyd being in The Predator. I have a Predator story up yeah, on nice. my, my thing, not for the story itself, but just to remind me to ask you, have you watched the trailer for The Predator yet? I haven't. I've so the first trailer on it. didn't blow me away. Second trailer looks a whole lot better. We got Predator on Predator action. Nice. But not so, in like the hot, sexy way, but like... What I and maybe some people at home want to know, if it bleeds, we can kill it. Sorry. If it bleeds, <laughs> we can kill it. <laughs> oh my god, that was so awesome. So that's going to be awesome, dude. I do like the Predator series, even the Danny Glover one. Yeah, and the only other piece of news that I found, I felt like I found something else earlier this week, but... I obviously didn't save it, so whatever. But I personally kind of fell off of American Horror Story. I did, too, on this past season. I kept up with it all the way through this past season. I did not even keep up with it that long. But this might get me back into it. They have announced that Season 8 is going to be a crossover of Murder House and Coven. Which, in my opinion, are the best two seasons. I was going to say, that's arguably the better seasons. I loved Murder House. Murder I loved House. the first season was really good if you're more into like the melodrama, I suppose. I was going to say, Murder House might be one of my favorite haunted house stories. Oh, it was fucking great. It was so good. Yeah, I mean, I know we can nerd out a lot about this show, but I did see that. So that might get me back into... Coven, I felt, was kind of like Game of Thrones, but with witches. Yeah. But it was really well done, so... I really liked it. There was some things I wish they would have done a little different, but it was still fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, knowing 
the creator of this series is also the creator, one of the creators of Glee. So I knew there was going to be a little bit of that, you know, influence in it. I'm super excited, though. I hope they get Evan Peters back because he oh, was the yeah, best, one of the better so parts of both of those seasons. I love Sarah Paulson, too. I think she's a great actress. I mean, there's some stellar people involved. So, yeah, that'll be fun, man. I think I might be back on board. Yeah, if they're crossing over those two seasons, I'm going to have to at least check it out. So I know several years ago he talked about the fact that a lot of these stories... You know, it is all supposed to be. It all they kind of tie back to the same and, universe, right? Yeah, like exactly. All these stories are somehow connected, but yeah, you know, to what extent it's kind of you know. But this on the story. one, yeah, exactly. So this one sounds like it's a direct connection. So that's gonna be awesome. Exactly. I don't have any other news. Though. I do have one more. I didn't want to be a nerd hog, but I do have one more. I had seen this before I came over. So we've talked about the fact that we're huge House of a Thousand Corpses fans. We love the Devil's Rejects. For those who do or do not know, there is an upcoming Three from Hell by Rob Zombie. So there has been some images he shared. One of them was just recently put up on Instagram, and that's a Sherry Moon zombie. And it reveals some telling things about where Devil's Rejects left off. So I don't want to spoil too much. but I haven't looked at this image yet. If you don't know, it is available on the Rob Zombie Instagram. He just posted two pictures okay. for some of the stills of the upcoming movie, of course. Ooh. But it does reveal some information, like I said, that where the second I mean, one I, left if off. If it's revealing something, then I only have one guess. You know what I mean? Like I don't want to say it right now, though. Like in case no, you, we'll, we'll say it in between it. segments. But it wasn't what I was expecting. But I'm interested in your take on it. But anyhow, I just wanted to share that well, it'll make the third one right make now. more sense. So if that gives you any way, it, it kind of gives or reveals a little bit more about the plot. Well, I'm fucking looking it up right now. So. Well, sweet. Yeah. So that's really the only other thing I know. I've been telling you probably for the last <laughs> several weeks, and that's going all the way back to probably the people in the stairs episode with Patrick, but. Dude, I'm so glad I revisited Twin Peaks. Such a good show. Oh, wait, that's not what I was expecting. I just looked at the picture that you're referencing. Yeah. And my guess was going to be part of her fucking face is blown away and they're undead. But that does not seem to be the case. No. So that's why I was like, wow, that's kind of interesting. That's the direction he wanted to go in. So anyhow, yeah, check it out if you're interested. If not, stay away from it. You'll find out if you go see the film. But like outside of that, I'm trying to get myself back into Twin Peaks so I can watch season three. That's making my long story short. Yeah, I've been watching everything about horror lately, and it's just going to continue to be that way because they just <laughs> dropped the new season of Voltron. Because that was the only other, like, being a giant Kevin Smith fanboy, my only other news is that Jay and Son of Bob appear in the latest Drake video. Oh, and no they're, shit. like, in it a lot. So Well, uh, they do have that Degrassi uh, connection. Well, that's the thing. So the video is basically a Degrassi oh, high school nice. reunion. That's pretty cool. <laughs> That's funny, man, because one of my sisters, my, one of my younger sisters, was big into Degrassi, and I've seen a few of those and episodes. And by basically, I mean the video is a Degrassi fucking <laughs> high school video reunion. Is Drake in a wheelchair? He's not. Oh. Well, that's okay. He's not fucking... Jimmy, was it? it? Yeah, Jimmy. <laughs> Jimmy Hot Wheels? Do you know his real name? <laughs> I don't. I really don't. Aubrey. Really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'd be going by Drake, too. I would, too. <laughs> no offense, but, you know, Drake sounds a lot better than Aubrey, especially if you're going to be an entertainer. Yeah, Drizzy. Yeah, boy. Canada's <laughs> finest. Yeah, we might actually, I might put that on, like, while we smoke a little bit that on the break good. so you can see it. Because <laughs> well, cool. there's a lot of Jay and Silent Bob in it, so. You can never go wrong with Jay and Silent Bob. So we're going to break and go into the guts and, guts bolts. and bolts of 2014's The Purge Anarchy. Sweet.
and bolting it up like i said last episode i think with these purge ones i'm going to explain what it is we do here at the show with the beginning of each guts and bolts in case you're new because we're kind of hoping that with the new purge movie coming out some of you might be new because you searched for the purge yeah so here we found are. us glad you did <laughs> thank you <laughs> so each week our guts and bolts is that we come here and we talk about fucking horror movies with you guys Let's see, in our Guts and Bolts section, as we're about to do, we try to stay spoiler-free, we'll give you a synopsis, go a little bit into the cast and crew and where you might have seen them before, a little bit of trivia, if it doesn't go into a little bit more about our, like, either spoilers or our feelings about the movie too much, taglines, and warnings for, like, if you haven't seen this movie before, what you're about to get into. Yeah, so what we also like to do, and this is kind of... What this segment entails as well is sometimes we like to try to sell movies to our friends and family, and this is kind of what this section's about. Not like monetarily either. We're like, no, no just go watch this movie. We're not trying to be like, hey. <laughs> oh yeah, we're not going to bribe you, but we're we're trying <laughs> hey, to give you trying to give you. <laughs> we'll, we'll sell you Killer Clowns from Outer Space <laughs> for three dollars right now. I mean, I would if I had an extra copy. <laughs> but no, you're right. We talk about the cast and crew. We try to give you a synopsis. We'll give you some information about the budget, et cetera, et cetera. But we try to keep it as spoiler free as possible, and that's what the next section's. Uh, yeah, and then the next section will be how does that make you squeal? Where fucking all bets are off, and we just sort of talk about the movie. A lot of the times we'll sort of go through a lot of the movie, but it can also just be anything from our own personal observations to like goofs and gaffs that we notice to you know whatever conversation spin off whatever this movie made us think about. So yeah, so that's basically our commentary, and like I said, some of the neat things that we found out about the film. And we're stoned the entire time. Oh, at least we try. <laughs> but yeah, lately uh, I think we've we been on a good run. <laughs> I think we succeed. Sir. I'm not complaining. God, I think that's it though. So yeah, so we probably need a synopsis for this movie, just like any other film. So basically, this is how the Punisher survives Purge Night <laughs> <laughs> with tagalongs. Yep, that's how this movie boils down. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I mean, to keep it as brief as possible, I'd say that's a perfect synopsis. Whereas the first movie was Home Invasion, this is absolutely an action horror. It is. Kind it of takes a place in a survival horror I agree. scenario. Totally agree. Set in and around downtown Los Angeles. So let's go into the rest of it. I think that's as good of a synopsis as I'm going to be able to come so. up with. <laughs> no, that's cool. I, I like it. I think it's funny and it's straight to the point. So... What we also like to do is segue into the people who went into making the film. And we have talked about this gentleman before because he did direct the first three films in this franchise. And that person is James DeMonaco. And he is the writer and the director once again for this film. So we've mentioned several of his credits on the previous episode. I didn't really have any written down <laughs> because I would feel like it would be... Reference the first one. Yeah. Just go back. There's a lot of the same people in terms of writer-director, cinematographer, etc. But... Yeah, check out The Purge. Check out some of his credits, some interesting ones. 
Now, our cinematographer, same gentleman from The Purge, the very first film, is Jacques Jouffret. Now, we do have some new editors on the film, and I have these gentlemen written down. So the first person I have who edited this film is Vince Philippon, and he's done some interesting films. I like to go back in people's catalog because they don't always get credited with films on the database unless they're pretty current. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's generally how that works. So anyhow, I went back. This gentleman has edited films such as Fag Hag, The Virgin Larry. You might have seen The Spanish Fly. A film that has one of the cast members, Danny Masterson from that 70s show. He was in a film called Puff Puff Pass. Okay. I thought that was relevant to us. More recent films such as I Am Number 4 and Triple X, The Return of Xander Cage. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, and his partner on this film in editing was Todd E. Miller, and Todd has edited such films as Ed, way back in the 90s. He's edited the film, which I really like this film, is Joyride, R.I.P. Paul Walker. Oh, no shit. Fucking Candy Cane. Yeah, that's a good film, man. Candy Cane. Candy Cane. (laughs) Shit's fucked up, (laughs) but I love it. It's a good film. He's also edited films The Exorcist, The Beginning, and he's also done such things as Triple X, State of the Union. Wait, so he was the one that did Exorcist, The Beginning, and so he wasn't the editor on Dominion? No. <laughs> well, no, because it would be in my credits. We are going to have to do a double feature of those at some point. Have you ever heard the story of how that all went down? I, a little bit. I've read a little bit into it. I know vaguely. They're like 70% the same movie. Yeah, yeah exactly. As far as the plot story and all that I've stuff. watched them both. I think Dominion's superior, but it's been a while, so we might have to do I did go see though. one of them in a the theater, and my uncle and I were like, what the fuck is this? Then it was probably a, the beginning. <laughs> it probably was. It was a fucking turd. But anyhow, Todd has also done editing work on the television series E-Ring, Pathology. He's done editing for The Mechanic and The Mechanic Resurrection. You might have seen his work in The Expendables Part 2. And he's also the editor on the upcoming film we're going to do next week, and that is The Purge Election Year. Okay. So the music was composed by the same gentleman who's done The Purge, and that was Nathan Whitehead. Special effects on this project are Method Studios, Method Studios London, and the VFX Legion Studios. They've all done visual effects on this project. Same producers, we have Jason Blum, who is big name in horror right now because of Blumhouse Productions, of course. Uh, yeah, we've talked about Blumhouse a few times. The big thing to remember here, and we'll start throwing out numbers oh again, gosh. is that Blumhouse tends to go Low cheap, budget? Low budget. I mean, still, this one doesn't have the highest budget ever. No, it doesn't. But you get really low budget to start, and then Huge if you returns. get sequelized, then they start upping your budget. But they tend to make some really fucking successful movies, and this is Unreal, no exception. Man. So Yeah, and you'll hear about it here in a little bit. So We did say Jason Blum is one of the producers. Michael Bay, who I mentioned in the previous episode, who likes to blow things up on his films. <laughs> Another, is, he's producing again. Yeah, he's producing Probably again. Probably once again had nothing to do with it except for putting in his money. And basically. Andrew Form, Bradley Fuller, and Sebastian Lemercier, same gentleman from The Purge, are our other producers on this film. Production companies are Universal Pictures, Platinum Dunes, Blumhouse Productions, and Why Not Productions. Distributors were Universal Pictures, who helped with the 2014 USA theatrical release, along with Universal Pictures International, which helped with the 2014 United Kingdom, parts of South America, I think parts of Asia, so hence the name International. Release dates 
or July 18th, 2014. That was here in the States and in Canada. And a week later, July 25th, in the United Kingdom and Ireland. Now, the budget we did talk about, not very huge considering, but it had an estimated $9 to $11 million budget. That's USA dollars. Its opening weekend, it made $29.8 million. That was dated July 20th, 2014. It grossed $71.9 million here in the States, and then when you add in the cumulative worldwide... It's 111. 110.6, but yeah, roughly $111 million on a 9 to $11 million budget. If you yeah. add in, like we talked about, advertising and all that other stuff... It still... Still made its money five, six times over. Easy. Yeah. Easy. I mean, tenfold almost... So, I do have a few taglines. We did mention that it's part of this segment. I've got three of them this time for this film. The first one is, Welcome to America. One night a year, all crime is legal. Okay. Another uh, synopsis. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let's go for it. That might as well be the tagline for the first one, too. But it actually Basically, maybe fits I mean, a little bit better for this one, to be honest. So, I agree. Yeah, I would agree with that. To be honest, it, it does fit for this one better. But, yeah. Yeah. It's lazy. You, you could argue, yeah. <laughs> All right, the second and third one are pretty basic. These almost can be insignia. Oh, they're, they're more basic than that? Oh, yeah. The second one is... Perch, hire us. In the Blumhouse. Come on, we'll, we'll come up with better taglines than what this we movie can. is getting, apparently. These are almost like words that you would see on like a seal, basically. Okay. So the second one is an American tradition. Okay. The third one, you I kind of like that one. I yeah, kind of like I mean, an American tradition. Number three is United We Purge. That one feels lazy. Yeah, I just say they're eh, they're kind of basic. You want a better one right now, off the top of my head? Yeah, yeah. Fucking quote from the movie: "Kill the rich bitches." <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> kill the rich bitches. That's a good one too. I know where that's from. Okay, so that was our crew who went into making the film, and we also that's like actually to talk. a terrible tagline for this movie. Though that's not what this not episode, really. well, that's not, not what really. this one is about at all. That's the first one, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty good way of looking at that one. All right, so the cast, pretty good cast. I like this cast a lot. So we'll lead off. You've already kind of tipped your hat on who this gentleman is, but we have Frank Grillo. He plays Sergeant in this film. Okay, to kind of tip my hat now. I said that more of how like his character Jokingly. operates throughout yeah. this movie. He is a part of the Marvel Universe. Though. He is. He uh, is. Where I know him best from because I was looking through his shit. He's got some cool credits. He's got some cool credits and some stuff I definitely saw him in whether I recognized him or not at the time. But I recognize him now because he's Crossbones. He is. And if you're not familiar with who Crossbones is, you might be familiar with the films that he was in. He was in Captain America, The Winter Soldier, and Civil War. Right. He's the guy that gets his ass kicked at the very beginning of Civil War. Yeah. <laughs> There's something interesting about that, which I'll mention in one of his credits. So Frank, I'll go back a little bit with some of his film credits. He was in the Mambo Kings from like 1992. He was in the television series Guiding Light for a couple of years. He was also in Battery Park, the television series. He made... A film appearance in Minority Report. I watched that movie actually quite a bit, so he wasn't a named character, but I'm sure I saw him as a pre-crime cop. Yeah, I think that was his credit, and it is. He was also part of the S.H.I.E.L.D. television series. You might have seen him if you watched Fox's Prison Break television series. We've talked about Johnny Legs, Leguizamo, because he was also in the Kill Point television series. He was in the movie Pride and Glory. You might have seen him in Edge of Darkness. He was in a really good MMA film called Warrior. Highly suggest it. He was in The Gray, 
which we've talked about before. I love the gray. Yeah, he was in End of Watch, Zero Dark Thirty. He is also a part of Kingdom, the television series, which we talked about Jonathan Tucker because of Hannibal. He was one of, uh, spoiler alert, I guess, he was like one of the people who was a killer on the show. Right. Yeah. And uh, anyhow, he was also uh, one of the Jonas Brothers' dad on that show, Kingdom, that is. Hmm. Yeah, I don't watch it. My sister does. But apparently it's pretty decent. That's what she was telling me. Warrior. Actually, Warrior is a Chinese film. Okay. And you had mentioned the fact that he gets his ass kicked in Captain America. Well, apparently he got his ass stomped a lot in the film Warrior, which is the highest grossing film in Chinese history. Oh, no shit. It made, I want to say like $850 million plus in the box office in China alone. When did it come out? Not very long ago. Yeah. Because I remember it must have come out after Red Cliff. I remember when Red Cliff... Oh, it's it's smashed box office hits there. Nice. Yeah, it's a, I mean, I think it's Way an to action go, film. That's a, that's a hell of a movie to take down. Red Cliff is awesome. So. Yeah, that says a lot. But yeah, from what I understood, he took the most punches in that film. <laughs> so if you've seen it, you probably know what I'm talking about. Okay. So I did mention he played Sergeant in this film. Along with Frank, we have an actress, Carmen Ijogo. She plays Eva Sanchez in this film, and she's got some interesting credits, too. Now, I do know she's a singer, so she's a part of, I think, some jazz groups and some other things, so she's also known for that. But you might have seen her in films such as Metro, which had Eddie Murphy in it. You might have also seen her in The Avengers from the 90s. She was in What's the Worst That Could Happen, which I think is another Danny DeVito in, I think it's Martin Lawrence film, if I'm not mistaken. Right, okay, I remember, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she was also in Boycott, which she played Coretta Scott King, if I'm not mistaken, in two films. And this yeah, was yeah, the first Boycott one. Boycott and Selma. Yeah, exactly, which I thought was really cool. She was also in the film The Brave One. She was also in Pride and Glory. The only thing I've seen her in is uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Yeah, that's one of her more recent. She was also in the film It Comes at Night, which I've kind of heard mixed things about. It. I still want to watch it. She was also in Alien Covenant. I know we've talked about the fact that we need to watch that at some point. She was also in Alex Cross. We've mentioned Medea before on the show <laughs> because it's, you know, Tyler Perry's. She's also in an upcoming HBO series, which we mentioned last week because of an actor, but she is going to be a part of True Detective, season oh, three on cool. HBO. Yeah. Starting to pull me back in. Right? Yeah, right. I mean, season two wasn't bad, but it wasn't great either. I still haven't watched season two. It's all right. It's all right. You're not missing a whole lot, to be honest. That's what I've heard. That's why I haven't watched it. Not after season one. I got other shit to watch, like Voltron. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's one you could put on the back burner and you still won't be missing much. Okay. So... We have a few other actors, of course, in this film. We have Zach Gelford. He plays Shane in this film. Now, you might have seen him in such films as The Last Winter. He was in the film Rise, Blood Hunter. You might have seen him in the film Dare. I officially looked through his filmography and realized the only thing I may have seen him in was like the two episodes of Drunk History he did. Yeah, I might have seen him in that. I'm not very familiar with this actor. That's no discredit to him because he's got some really cool credits. But he was also part of The River Y. I might have seen him in this film, actually. It's a Rain Wilson film. It has Ellen Page, Michael Rooker. It has a really good cast. But that film is called Super. And it's based off of, like, a vigilante's kind of superhero. I still haven't watched it. I keep It's good, dude. It's really good. But that's another one, like, you know, save that one for a rainy day. It's worth watching. All right, now, some other people might recognize him for his role as a quarterback in Friday Night Lights, the television series. He was in the film Crazy Kind of Love. You might have seen him in The Last Stand. He was a part of 
Tim and Eric's Bedtime Stories television series. He's also in Kingdom with Frank Grillo. He was also in This Close, the television series, and Good Girls, the television series, which are two shows from this year. So he's doing television work still. The next person I have is Keely Sanchez. She plays Liz. And they are actually a couple in this film, and they're a real-life married couple. Oh, no yeah. shit. Yeah. See, she's another one. I looked at her filmography, and I have no idea who the fuck she is. There's one film. You might have seen her, but I totally wouldn't have known who she was. All right, so she goes back a little bit. She was in That Was Then, the television series. The film I was saying you might have seen her in, if you've seen this film, is Stuck on You, which is another Matt Damon film. I never Breaking did. Here. I never did watch Stuck on You. But it's actually not I, bad, man. I probably saw her in uh, Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium, That's which I watched one time. <laughs> she was also in films such as A Perfect Getaway. She was in Redemption Road. She was in the direct-to-video 30 Days of Night, Dark Days. You might have seen her in the television series The Glades. And would you know it, she's also on the television series Kingdom. Hmm. Yeah, which is kind of cool. Now, here's one of the actresses I mentioned before because of Michael C. Hall. And this actress is Justina Machado. She plays Tanya in this film. She's not in it for very long. But I did want to mention her because she was a part of Six Feet Under, which, although series. I haven't watched, I remember seeing her in like commercials and shit. So that's she, where I recognized her. If you know who the actor Freddie Rodriguez is, he was in that show, and he was not a huge character, but he was a central character like in the later seasons. But she played his wife on the also, show. Also, Final Destination too. Yeah, she was in Good Behavior, the television series. She was in the film Sticks. You might have seen her in AI, Artificial Intelligence. She was in Torque. I did mention Six Feet Under. Oh, shit. Fucking Torque. I almost forgot about that movie. That's not a good movie. I don't think I've ever seen it, <laughs> to be honest. She was also in ER, which I know you like to watch. Yep. Um, she doesn't come in until, like, 2009. How many actors and actresses have we mentioned now that have been on ER? It's unbelievable. Well, most of them have only been in, like, one episode. Well, yeah, I, I Doing, I, I like, the that. TV rounds. But she was in for, like, a third of a season. I think something like that, yeah. but it's not till a little bit later on. It's understandable. She's a pretty good actress. She's also part of several other TV shows. I've got Private Practice, the television show. Welcome to the Family. She was on One Day at a Time and Jane the Virgin. Ooh, actually, she was on ER twice. Yeah, I did run into her once because she appears in the second season in a one-off role, and then she comes back in a recurring role, oh, like. Sure season 13 something like that nice <laughs> like so the one thing i'll always remember her from is six feet under so another actress i have younger actress this is zoe soul she plays callie which is the daughter of eva in this film yep this is another one recurring refrain for this episode yeah there was a lot of people i didn't recognize i'm going to be straight up with that all right now zoe she has been on read between the lines of the television series she was in prisoners she was also in Single Ladies, the television show, and she was in The Last Two Lovers at the End of the World. All right. Next actor I have in this film is John Beasley. He plays Papa Rico, and he is the father of Eva and the grandfather of Callie in this film. And he's Mr. Hall in The Mighty Ducks. Dude, when I started looking at his credits, I was like, man, he looked familiar. And I was like, oh, yeah, he was in The Mighty Ducks. You might have seen him in Untamed Heart. A Walking Tall. Rudy. Rudy. Oh, fuck. 
So, oh man, I have a really funny story about Rudy, actually. Played football in high school. Right. Went to football camp all four years of high school. My junior year, went to a new camp because we moved from Class C to Class B, which was 8-man to 11-man. Gotcha. At the camp, there was a number of ex-pros helping run the camp. One of them, John Kolb, used to be a tackle for the Steelers in the 70s. His claim to fame, which he was very upfront about, was he was the guy that missed the block on the Immaculate Reception. Oh, shit. So why Terry Bradshaw had to hurry up his throw. Damn, that's crazy, isn't it? Uh, he was also he was like a, line, yeah. yeah, he was also like a two-time NFL strongman winner and shit. That's pretty awesome. Really cool guy. A really nice guy. Nice. That's good to hear. Um, but he actually brought up Rudy. No kidding. And the fact how so many coaches, like, because especially here in Montana, like, we have some really long bus rides. Yes, you guys do. Fucking hell, man. To get to fucking to play our fucking football games. It was very often we were on the bus for like three, four hours to go play a game. That's nuts. No, I think the, in... All season long. No, like, so where I grew up in Spartanburg, in South Carolina, because mm-hmm. uh, I played football a couple of years in high school as well, but I think the furthest we had to travel, and this was just for an exhibition, was like three hours, but most of the regular season games, you'd be lucky to travel like a 30-minute bus drive at best. And so a lot of us had like travel buses and shit, and they'd put movies on and stuff. And he actually spent like 10 minutes of one of his first speeches to like everybody at the camp just tearing into the movie Rudy and (laughs) how he never deserved to play. He was never showing the correct amount of work ethic. He never really earned it. He just got everybody to pity him to the point where they put him in for a fucking play. Yeah. He could possibly be the OG of what, you know, some people consider like the kids that no matter what happens, you get a trophy. Yeah, that's <laughs> or a ribbon. Rudy. That's Rudy. That's Rudy. And ever since then, I just fucking, yeah, I can't. That's so funny. I can't look at it the same way because no, it's I absolutely true. It's absolutely true. Rudy doesn't do anything to actually earn his place. All right, I'll put it this way. And I totally agree with you there. So I'm probably going to, hopefully not, but this might tune a few people out. But I am a Notre Dame fan. Our family is. It's not because anybody went to school there. It's because... Most of my family on my dad's side are Roman Catholic. Mm. I don't subscribe to that channel, <laughs> but I do like Notre Dame football. I just grew up watching it. But anyhow, when that film came out in the early 90s, I was like, oh, it's kind of cool. Had some recognizable actors. It's a dramatic Sam film. Yeah. <laughs> That's fucking funny, dude. John Favreau, too. Don't yeah. forget that. That's true. But no, I mean, it's, it's a theatrical film, so of course they're going to dramatize it. And a lot of this shit is factually wrong anyway to begin with. So, yeah, it's like it's easy to pick that film apart because it's a crock of shit. <laughs> he went in for like a play, and of course, you'd be like, oh, I got a sack. I don't think that's even true. Right. <laughs> you know, I just, they have to dramatize it, like I said. But anyhow, man, we went off on a tangent with Rudy. <laughs> but yeah, it's because. My bad. No, no, I liked it because it's one we probably won't ever hardly talk about, possibly, but. John Beasley was, I think, the groundskeeper in that film, who was, like, working with Sean Astin's character, Rudy, that, you know, trying to support him and all that shit. Anyhow, John, (laughs) he was also in another kind of interesting sports film, Little Big League, if you've seen that. He was in the film The Cure. You might have seen him in the film The Lost Souls. He was in The Sum of All Fears. He was on a television series I know you watched quite Judging a bit. Judging Amy. Yeah. He was on Judging Amy. You mentioned Walking Tall. He was in an HBO series I really like, and it because it has John Goodman and it has some really good other actors and actresses, Steve Zahn from Joyride. 
It was called Treme. It's about what happened after Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans. Really good, especially if you like jazz and just want to know a little bit more about that city. Now he's also a part of Sinister Part 2. It's time to watch Sinisters either. Yeah. Gotta get to that. I heard they're good. Blumhouse. <laughs> you know, what can you say? All right, so I've got a few other actors. I've got Jack Conley. He plays Big Daddy in this movie. Now, he's got a pretty extensive history. He I was mean, one of those Jesus. guys where as soon as I saw him, I'm like, I recognize him. Like, why the he's fuck older do now, I recognize of him? I realize, I mean, maybe Get Shorty Get is Shorty. probably where I first saw him. <laughs> if you like the film Apollo 13, he was in that. He was in L.A. Confidential. He was in the film Mercury Rising. And then, of course, I realized we talked about him in the fucking cell. Yeah, we did. We That's had to have talked about him. For three because hours. Because we talked about that movie for three goddamn hours. Don't, yeah. Don't listen to that episode. <laughs> it's funny you mention that because actually I mentioned that film this week because of R.E.M.'s Losing My Religion. Oh. Anytime that fucking song mm-hmm. comes on, it's like, damn, Tarsum Singh. <laughs> and then you have to talk about the fucking fact that he used a scene in that film right out of the music video. Right. Fun with Dick and Jane. Yep. He was also in Angel, the television series. You might have seen him in the film Traffic. Harold and Kumar Escape from Guantanamo Bay. I love that film. It's fucking a stoner's dream. He was also a part of the Fast and Furious franchise. The very uh, first fa- one. Was it the first one? No. No, you're right. It's not. It's f- number four. Jesus. Yeah. Because number one was the Fast and Furious. Yeah, that's right. He was in Fast and Furious. Figure <laughs> right. Technicality. Okay. He was also in Sons of Anarchy, the television series. You might have seen him in the film Gangster Squad, and he's also in the television series Animal Kingdom. Which, by the way, I suddenly, as soon as you said Sons of Anarchy, I didn't actually look through his entire filmography when I was looking to try to figure out who he was. <laughs> right. Because when I saw Get Shorty, I actually have the dual pack that oh, has right. Get Shorty in it. If I can get Shorty and be cool. Nice. Which are both, by the way, pretty much the same exact movie. Yeah, I've seen them both. <laughs> They're not bad. And I'm like, oh, that has to be where I saw him. I really dislike that you just brought up Sons of Anarchy. I'm a gigantic Sons of Anarchy fan. First off, I feel really bad that I didn't remember that okay. he was in Sons of Anarchy. Now that I remember who he was in Sons of Anarchy, fuck this guy. <laughs> yeah. Fuck this guy so fucking hard. <laughs> I really wish that they would have killed him even harder in this. Damn. Fuck this guy so bad. He was in the episode Laying Pipe. Yeah. That's all I have. I if you're a Sons that. fan, you know Laying Pipe then you probably remember exactly who this motherfucker is. That's a good reference. Fuck this guy. (laughs) Awesome, which we'll get into a little bit later on. All right, now there is a pretty well-known actor in this film I want to mention because I'd feel remorse if I didn't. But I'm going to talk about Michael K. Kenneth Williams, who plays Carmelo in this film. Now, he's been in some really cool shit, television series-wise, some movie as well. Now, he goes back. You might have seen him in the film Bullet, which was like a 90s film. I think it had Tupac in it. You might have seen him in Bringing Out the Dead. You might have also seen him in the Kill Point television series. Wait, I missed who, who are we talking about now. Michael K. Oh, fuck me. Michael K. Williams? I can't believe I missed your fucking intro to him, because he's motherfucking Omar coming. That's what I'm talking about. So I know I'm kind of glossing over, but yeah, if you've seen The Wire... He's played one of the biggest badasses to ever be on Dude, TV. Dude, he's so good. If you're familiar with like that Baltimore area, I mean, he's well known. Oh my god, yeah, it was so exciting to see him in this. Like, that's the draw for this movie for me. Oh, I think that's Michael probably... K. Williams is in this movie. Yeah, when you look at the cast and crew, I mean, you know, no discredit to anybody else, but yeah, man, when you realize who he is and what the things you've seen him in, it's like, hell yeah, he should have been top build. 
But anyhow, yeah, you've seen him in The Wire. You might have seen him in Gone, Baby Gone, which is a really good film. He was in The Incredible Hulk, the movie. He was in Miracle at St. Anna. You might have seen him in Brooklyn's Finest. He was also in the Philanthropist television series. He was in the film The Road. He was in Snitch. He was in 12 Years a Slave. You might have also seen him in the more recent RoboCop film. He was in Boardwalk Empire, the television series on HBO. He was also on The Night Of, which was another HBO show. It was pretty decent. It had a fucked up story. I think Superfly just came out like this weekend, something like that. He's in that. Yeah. He's also in Assassin's Creed, and he was also in F is for Family, which if you like comedians, I like Lil Burr. He's fucking funny. Yeah. So, I mean, he's got quite a wealth of credits. Well known, especially if you're familiar with The Wire. All right, the next person I have is Noel G, and that G stands for Guglielmi. You know, he plays Diego in this film, and he's a really interesting person. From what I understood is, like, he was raised, I think, like, homeless and shit, or... He had a fucking rough upbringing, basically. So he finally got into acting, and when he did, he did such things as the X-Files television series. I was going to say, you've probably seen him before, because he's one of these guys that whenever they need, like... A cholo? Yeah, whenever they need somebody who looks like a fucking homeboy, like, (laughs) they turn to him. Oh, yeah, Uh, because if you look at his I think of him as, like, the Fast and the Furious. Not Fast and Furious. The Fast. The Fast and the Furious. And Training Day, both the same year. Yeah. He was in both of those. It's pretty awesome. He was in Bruce Almighty... He was in a film I really like because of Jamie Kennedy is Malibu's Most Wanted. I dug SWAT. Yeah, he I'll was in SWAT. It. It's not a good movie, but... I'm not a huge fan of Dane Cook, but he was in Employee of the Month. How about Crank? Crank is yeah. a fucking wonderful movie. <laughs> he was in the film Harsh Times. That is a really good film. I mentioned Freddie Rod because I think Freddie Rodriguez is in that, but he's in it with Christian Bale. It's a fucked up film. Street Kings. Yep, he was in The Bucket List. You might have seen him in The League, the television series. He was in The Walking Dead television series. You might have seen him in The Dark Knight Rises and Furious 7. So you're right. Anytime they need kind of a ruffian, this is your guy. No Uh, exception. He even appears in the Training Day TV series. Oh, that's pretty cool. (laughs) I didn't know that. All right, next person I've written down, really cool actor. His name is Lakeith Stanfield. And he plays young Ghoulface. Now, we have talked about him before. Oh, because he's in Get Out. He's in Get Out. Another huge film. You might have seen him also in the film Selma. You might have seen him in the movie Dope, which is a pretty decent film. I've seen most of it. He was in Straight Outta Compton, who played Snoop. That's right. Double Jizzle. He was also in the film Snowden. We talked about Get Out. He was in the film Death Note, which one of my nephews is a big fan of. And he's also a part of Donald Glover's Atlanta television series. He's like one of his sidekicks. Really nice. funny character, dude. He's really good in that. So he's doing pretty good for himself right now. Oh, That's yeah. He is. Uh, yeah. He's doing all right, man. <laughs> <laughs> all right. There's a few other people, of course. There's a lot of people. But we do have a recurring actor in this film. And that gentleman is Edwin Hodge. He is a stranger this time in the film. Yep, a stranger, not the bloody stranger. Not this time. They haven't given his name yet. No, they haven't, but we'll talk about that upcoming. There's a few other actors, actresses. I didn't really write down their credits. I'll mention who they are. There's one that stood out to me, Nico Nicotera. Yeah. Is also from Sons of Anarchy, where he plays Rat Boy. There you is. I was to say, that was one of the actors I had. There is Castulo Guerrera. He is an Argentine actor who plays Barney, which is Tanya's father in this film. I have Roberta Valderrama. She plays Lorraine, which was Tanya's sister in this. She's an actress from Peru. I have Brandon Keener. He plays Warren Grass, which is a little bit later on in the film. 
I have Judith McConnell. She is the old, elegant woman, one of the bitches we talked about in this film. She's known for doing the television series Santa Barbara, which we've actually mentioned because of Jan Birch, Stairmaster. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and the last person I have is Cindy Robinson. She is the Purge announcement voice in this film. We do discover who one of the founding father is, and we'll mention him in the next section. But yeah, that's pretty much who I got written down for my cast and crew. We have gave you a synopsis. Time for warnings. Uh, yeah, warnings. What do we have for warnings? There's warnings, violence. Certainly violence, certainly language. I would say this film, if you don't like anxiety and tension, yeah. it'll definitely give it to you. Yeah. It's, it's the first one is, horror. yeah, I mean, this yeah. one's action-y. It's still a horror, but it's more action-y. So there's not stuff, even like the first one, that's as like necessarily suspenseful, I guess. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. I mean, they had its moments, but yeah. yeah. The first um, one's totally home invasion, though, so, I mean, mm-hmm. whatever that entails. I mean, this has its bits, but... A little bit of blood and gore. You know, not much. It's mostly CG, once again. I mean, it's set in the city, so if you don't like city life, <laughs> this is the film for you. Like I said, if you don't like getting chased or having people be pursued, you're probably not going to be into this. But, I mean, without giving too much away, that's pretty much what you're getting yourself into. Yeah. Once again, I mean, a little bit of a spoiler. This one, we mentioned in the previous episode that The Purge entails crime for 12 hours one night of the year. Oh, this one gets a little bit more rapey. A little bit. Like, it doesn't actually ever happen. Right, exactly. But the first one had no bit of that at all, so... No, it had more of a fetish bent. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, this one plays a little bit more with other topics, but not as much as I was expecting, to be honest. Yeah, we'll get to it. Let's just get in our fucking how to make you squeal so we can quit jumping yeah, around. Yeah, we can us. start to squeal. I think that's a good enough warning. Yeah, I think so. God, what's happening to me? God, where am I? Why am I hearing these things? Oh, God, what, what's going on? Oh, Jesus, come on. Oh, my God, what's what's going on? Where, where am I? Oh, gee, why? Why? Come on. Somebody. Somebody. Ah. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Somebody. Sir. Come on. Somebody. Somebody's there. Somebody's got to be there. I will shock you. Come on. Sir. Come on. Sir, you must listen to me. Sir, I only have one question. How does that make you squeal? So we is squee-healing, and we mentioned before, this is the section where all bets are off, we talk about spoilers, so spoilers beware. So yeah, here we are. Alright, so as we mentioned before, this is both of our first times going through all three purges. Yeah, so each Um, one's going to be the first time. Each one's first time. Before, we covered a little bit in the first one, but just to rehash a tiny bit, that the first one kind of wastes the giant premise, and that the second and third one sort of open it up a little bit more and get better and better it goes on. And that's the same thing I've heard as well, so yeah. We both enjoyed the first one more than we thought we were going to. Man, you know, (laughs) after listening to people, and that's typically what I like to do too, is after we review a film, I like to go back and hear other people's opinions on it and it gets trashed a lot i guess in comparison to its sequels and whatnot but yeah you're right i got a lot more out of it than i was anticipating so now for this one what do you want to go first okay (laughs) i know it's kind of putting us on the spot but it's okay that's what we do so the first time i watched it right i don't take my notes the first time around i like to get same here you know my impressions on it before i start jotting down notes because i tend not to pay probably as much attention i just want to watch it for what it's worth so all right with that being said the first time through 
I would say probably going into the second act, I was like, man, this film's so good. <laughs> There's a main reason why, and I've mentioned this before, and it's going to sound kind of fucked up, but so be it. I actually enjoy like having bad dreams or like nightmares, and typically it's because I'm always getting chased or something of that magnitude mm-hmm. happens in those dreams. But I think it's because of like that adrenaline rush that you get and just the the feeling. Of and they always coincide with your wet dreams, right? Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do get wet in those dreams. <laughs> it's probably from sweating, <laughs> which is you know happens in the other dreams too. <laughs> so take it for what it's worth. But I like that. I like that feeling that this movie gives off. You get anxiety because these people are being chased and they're actually trying to get to a location within the city. And, you know, you've got all this high drama going on. So my first time through, dude, I was like, yeah, this is so good. And not only that, but because Frank Grillo is fucking badass in this Mm -hmm. film. I was like, yeah, man, they ratcheted up the badass in terms of like the main character, the protagonist. Yeah, I really like that aspect of this film. All right, mine. These first two ended up being a lot more even for me than I thought. There's some parallels between the two. I think I might have liked this one a little bit more, but not nearly by as much as I thought I was going no, to. No, there's not like a huge gap between the two in terms it's of how I like It's just like them. a very, just a titch more. I think that's a good way of kind of expressing, maybe like I said, art, because we analyze these films and we review them. There wasn't like night and day comparisons. It was like, yeah, this one, because they had a bigger budget too, this one felt like they got to express themselves a little bit more in this film. So naturally, we're probably going to like it a little bit more. And honestly, part of that reason why it even gets that little bit of edge is just because Michael K is in this. Yeah, he's good, dude. He played one of my exactly notes is simply Omar. So Omar was badass. He's so good. I wish they would have featured him a little bit more, but no. We'll I see. think I mean some of the things I like about this, I like about it, but I think the negatives for this movie were also harsher negatives for me than the first one had. I would agree, especially when I start to think about the kids in the two films, because there are two children, right? There's the boy we mentioned in the previous episode, who, for me, was kind of a big pain in the ass. His character, not the necessarily the actor, right. but just his character. I didn't dig him. Who we replace in this one with Shane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And I would kind of argue a little bit with Callie. A little bit. She wasn't quite as whiny. But they had that parallel that they were both the humanistic approach to this film. They saw it for what it was worth, but they didn't agree with it. And they were trying to talk people out of purging. Okay, so the kid with Callie makes sense for the humanistic approach. I was thinking Shane is the kid because he's the worst. Oh, yeah. I'll say, all right. The first time I watched this, yeah, because I didn't know anything about most of these actors and actresses. I was like, man, I hope both these fuckers get killed soon because they were both, like, worthless. Oh, they were terrible. They were the quintessential tag-alongs. They were bad. Yeah. Fifth Will, you name it. So, also, with them, one of my notes literally was Shane is the worst, but I have one other big note involving Shane and Liz. They didn't make it very clear what they were talking about the first time that they were like, oh, we should tell your sister and stuff. I know. I legit thought the first half of the movie that she was pregnant. I did too. And they were talking about having an abortion. Because they said irreversible. And then when it turns out that they were just talking about getting... Separating. About separating. They didn't say divorce, just separating. It was nowhere near as good. No. Like, it was so... There was so much more tension thinking that she was pregnant 
I, you know, yeah. honestly, I thought the same thing. Initial impression. Now, here's another little fucked up thing I'm going to say about this. There is a film, and it's called Irreversible. <laughs> and I don't know if you know anything about it or not, but it's pretty fucked up. And when he said that, that's the initial thing I thought. I was like, what does he mean by Irreversible? <laughs> Yeah, but that was the thing. I was like, oh, it sounds like they're talking about an abortion. Yeah, I mean, it would imply that, you would think. But no, you're right. It's just, they're going to separate. Which was, I didn't care at that point. Why were they making such such a big deal about telling his sister the whole time, too? Oh, and one of them for sure was gaslighting the other, and we don't know which. Based on the conversation in the car. They (laughs) were probably the most misplaced characters in this film but i understood because it was these verging storylines into one it was Mm -hmm. basically you know it boiled down to now they're surviving the night i can understand that but their backstory was all kinds of fucked up that's a good segue into one of the things i did like about this movie the first movie i thought was a really well done home invasion yeah like i said i ended up enjoying it a lot more than i thought i would but really, The Purge is about the craziness of what the fuck is this night going to go on. So these converging storylines of all these people trying to just like survive in the city, that was dope. I thought it could have been a little bit crazier, but there was some really cool instances of like just buses on fire just flying yeah. by in the background and just random gunshots and honestly like danger around every corner. That was cool. I didn't like that. There was even that buildup going into, like I said, that second act where all that shit starts to mount, where the couple, they were being kind of antagonized a little bit by that freak group, mm-hmm. which I liked the freak group in this one too. Now, they had different intentions, but their masks were pretty dope. They did prey upon people. We learned a significant fact a little bit later on in the film about them. That's kind of, okay. So they were, we're talking about one of my big, like, pluses and one of my big negatives to this movie. Probably my biggest negative to this movie. Especially because the first film very much set up the political aspect of this movie. Or of this franchise, really. It did. It's and a, this, a foundation of pun. The right. second film, this one, Anarchy, only takes everything that was implied in the first one is straight out said in this one. Oh, we know no the government's lines. targeting the poor, or basically the disenfranchised in every way. People that aren't the haves are the targets. Oh, easy. I mean, they're the easy prey in this film. And we know that, like, the founding fathers and all the people that are, like, truly in charge are, like, all waspy motherfuckers. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, we talked about the fact of old money, new money, and then, of course, the have-nots. So I thought, like, it's a huge plus to this movie that most of this story focuses around a group that is mostly minorities. Most of the characters they run into, like, the, obviously there's, like, Liz and Shane are white, and so's the sergeant. Right. Frank Grillo. Right, but you're right to the fact that they're not, like, your upper class. They're just working class, middle class people for the but most part. But we get, yeah, but the other two... Plus, we get family and we all do. sorts of stuff. It's all the people that are truly being targeted, which oh, yeah. would be yeah. the minorities out. and the poor, which I thought was a huge plus. Awesome. Especially because it just like drives home the point of these movies. It certainly does. However, with the point of these movies being so well established, it was kind of weird still having like the white savior character. <laughs> the white knight? I feel like they did this... It's one of those weird false equivalency things because the biker gang, the fucking god yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and his cronies are also all revealed to be minorities. 
taking advantage of the situation. Yeah. But the parallel that's set up in this movie is that they're essentially the African slavers. Oh, yeah. Which that's is a good point. not the, me- like, that's not the equivalency you want to be making oh, when you're trying no, to drive kidding, home right? the other point. That's a very good point, man. Jeez, <laughs> I didn't think about that. But, I mean, it makes sense when you dig into it a little bit more and the, the meaning and possibly the history behind that kind and of I stuff. I don't, I mean, I don't think he was trying to set up that false I equivalency. I don't either. I don't either because there's not really. You but it's totally absolutely there. <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm getting at. It's like, that's probably not what the intention was, but it goes there. It's exactly what you're talking about here. They're selling these people for an auction. To get but hooked. they're also yeah. minorities taking right. advantage that's what I'm of getting the situation. Yeah. It's like, ooh. And I'm like, ooh. Like, this yeah. is like when the fucking neo-Confederate asshole brings up fucking African slavers. Like, you kind of don't want to go there because like, it did oh, exist, no. but that's only a small part of what the larger problem was. Precisely. Yeah, there was a bigger picture at play there. But yeah, and this one kind of spells it out. <laughs> wow. So yeah. I kind of had a problem with that, especially because I, I also felt that that group got cheapened anyway. Mm-hmm. That group was made out to be a lot more terrifying than they were. And I felt like the way that they were handled by the end of this movie was just kind of a cop out. And... I was kind of hoping they would mirror the freaks from the first film. I mean, just like the polar opposites, you know, because of the fact that they are minorities. But I was expecting them to be purgers. I wasn't expecting them to just be snatching up second fiddles and then selling them back because of, you know, they're taking advantage of that situation. And, and here's situation. the thing with when I thought they were also purgers and then they turned out not to be, that contributes to my other, and I think at this point, unfortunately, it's going to continue into the franchise. <laughs> yeah. This one did a much better job of embracing the insanity. These movies are still nowhere near violent enough for the premise. Oh, no way. Not when you give, yeah, the plot away and when you know what the premise is. Yeah, it's like, man, I was expecting it to be ratcheted up a little bit more on the overall scope of what the Nine entails. Not just they're still focusing on the murder aspect of it. Now, there were super cool things. I fucking loved, like, the few different, like, people getting up on the roofs to purge and, yeah. like, I mean, seeing all this snipers, random shit. random and... crazy people. Yeah, I mean, you get a little bit more of, like you said, the, not the suburban life, but people in the city. Like, what would really happen in the city? And when we did the first movie, I didn't think about the fact of how much more dangerous it would be in a city situation and how hard it would be to have a defensible location. You know, when most of the housing is apartments of some sorts, you're not going to be able to defend in any way like you could with even... We're not even talking the swanky houses of the first movie. Like, a house is going to be... That you own, you're going to be able to defend better than an apartment. Oh, much more. I thought that did ratchet things up a bit, just making me think about that ratchet things up. I was like, oh, shit. And then I started thinking, like, well, here, this isn't fucking L.A. We're not in a big city. Missoula is big for montana (laughs) yeah i'm laughing because i'm an east coaster so yeah it's big for montana but it's not big but even like my own living situation i would have a hard time actually defending myself if some shit would happen yeah in a a real world situation yeah i mean we'd all be kind of on the fucked end of the spectrum (laughs) so i decided to once again throw you on the spot What's what's your purge plan my purge plan, that's a great question, actually. Assuming you're not purging since you're even vegetarian. Hypothet- yeah, I say like hypothetical <laughs> hypothetical, or like like real-world situation. Because, I mean, those are two different answers. Hypothetically, I'd like to have like an underground bunker and, 
you know, I'm not more real world. They, the they real announced world. the purge oh, for man. tomorrow, and That's they announced cool. that for sure, like at least ten percent of the population well, is, is participating. So it gets point. dangerous. I would say this: my brother and my father, they are gun aficionados, like. Especially my dad, like I mean, he knows a lot about guns in general and stuff like that. So yeah, I wouldn't have a problem getting with those two guys. I mean, because it's my dad and my brother, we would have no puns intended, but we have a little bit more fighting chance. <laughs> We'd have a little bit more firepower, you know. So I wouldn't feel quite stranded. I'd only have to make a two-hour trip at most from here up to Kalispell. So you know, being where we're at, I think we're a lot more prepared for that situation than say somebody like in New York or Philly or in these major metropolitan areas. Good luck, because there's a shit ton of people and shit's gonna go down. Here it's a little bit more spread out. I guess a good comparison, at least to give you an analogy, is we have a, maybe a little over a million people in the state, yeah. and it takes roughly eight to nine hours of drive from the east to the western part of the state. Of the entire state. The entire state. Now, like I said, to give you a comparison, if I went north from where I grew up in Spartanburg, I'd be in Washington, D.C., and all that shit that you would cover. Oh, yeah. Charlotte and Greensboro, Durham, all these places. Richmond, like so. So then, if I went south, I'd be in Jacksonville. So I'd pass Atlanta and all these other cities in between. Millions of people. So my odds would greatly diminish. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Like when I started thinking, like, well, what the shit would I do out here? And yeah, I as well am only am not very far from a very large amount of guns and people who I trust. So yeah, that wouldn't be too much of a problem. But even if it was just by myself out here, yeah, I kind of figured like, I'd be a little bit more in the thick. I'm not much one for i grew up doing it i don't have anything against it but just my natural inclination is not to go camping but i would probably just go camping for a night yeah i mean i would like take a nice really long fucking hike out into the fucking woods you almost said hoods hoods. (laughs) (laughs) wrong direction but i I get the point i'm just joking but that's a good point because there is a lot of open territory in this state a lot of underdeveloped things because of mountains and the woods and you name it so really don't have to worry about the purchase not so much out here in montana now for those like i said in more dense populated cities and towns wish you the best of luck it's a scary thought when you think about it like if this were a real world situation you can't help but put yourself in that situation because I'm sure it's a thought that's probably crossed your mind one time or another. Maybe not to this scope, but, you know, what would you do if someone tried to break into your house? What would you do if there was just, you know, anarchy for a little bit? And this isn't even, like, zombie plans because no. they're dumb. Like, this is a person coming. Yeah. This is multiple people just randomly hunting you. Yeah, with unwanted abandon because they can. We all can. Yeah, and you don't know what weapons they're going to have or not or... Yeah, man. I mean, it really does put you in this fucked up predicament. But if you're a prepper, you wouldn't have an issue. If you know how to defend yourself, it goes back to that flight or fight you know, scenario that we're all kind of ingrained with. So, yeah, what would you do? I was like, I don't necessarily condone violence, but, you know, if you're in a situation where you have to protect yourself, then, yeah, yeah. I mean, it all bets are off at that point. Go for it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll put it that way. Like I said, someone's trying to attack me unprovoked and it puts my life in danger, I'm snapping necks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sorry, but, you know, this is the way it is. Let's see here. What do you got? Well, oh, no, most of my notes, my notes you know, just are basically the film in, in a nutshell. But I've got a few other things. One thing but I, I wanted to bring up most of my notes. We've briefly talked about this before, but there was a part of this film 
And I was wondering, once again, if this was inspired by maybe a video game. And we've talked about Manhunt. Did you think Manhunt? Dude, yeah. Dude, right there. Manhunt circled. Yeah, man. I mean, I wasn't looking off paper. It made me think of that. And part of it was because of that street gang. Yeah, the street gang reminded I mean, me a lot almost of, 100% uh, of it. the innocence from Manhunt. Made me kind of want to play the game, and then I remembered that that game it's was from like now. 2002, 2004. Yeah, like, it doesn't look good anymore. Like, no, I mean, it's a hell of fun, but you're right. It's just uh, like an give it an update. Manhunt, hell yeah, thank you. Somebody which we're not going to get because of how controversial oh, it would be. But God how nice damn, would that be? I know, right? That game is ultra violent. Love every bit of it, but. I could not help but think of that game when I was watching this film. Honestly, that's part of kind of what led to even more of the letdown with how that gang ended up being treated. Yeah, I agree with you there. I wish they would have played a little bit more on the manhunt aspect of what they could have been in the mayhem that could have caused. I will say, though, that they're being disappointing and being, you know, selling off the group and shit did lead to the fact that I loved the scene when they opened up to the auction and Dude, just that was the shot so good. and how everything it about it, the music, actually. just them starting clapping and all that shit, everything about it was so creepy but so spot on for what these movies seem to be like going for and the message that they try to be sending you. I agree. It was just this cartoonish over the top almost expectable <laughs> yeah but it delivered when you were expecting yeah so. that, i mean that was kind of the exploitative part of this film and yeah i liked it i liked the fact that they were bidding that it was elegant <laughs> you know in this most fucking sadistic fucked up way imaginable and then yeah they were auctioned off so they could hunt them i was like yeah now they're really in this the muck you know now they're confined once again and you got people who you know exactly what their intentions are but that once again showed how badass sergeant was in this film like oh, i, I really say, like him a fucking, lot man that was dope. i'm not gonna lie he was a one-man wrecking crew he was so good room. yeah now spoiler he is gonna return you for know for election year yeah cool you know given the ending of this film i'm not gonna go there quite yet but given the ending of this film he does make a return but we don't know a whole lot outside of the fact that yes he is purging we do learn later on what for and the fact that he's willing to help people out because they were willing to fight back that wasn't his main intention, led into this big spiral. But mm-hmm. in a weird way, it kind of cemented some things for those people that were involved. Like the fact that the couple were going to separate, but because they were put in that situation, it made them closer. Even though one of them got whacked. I was, I was, so, like, I was so happy when he got killed. I, you know, at a certain point, I was like, I wish they would have ended it sooner. <laughs> Although, that was another thing where I was pissed off because I was like... You cannot expect me to believe that he didn't see that fucking door open and that guy come up to shoot him with the angle that everyone was at. Yeah. I was like, he has never played a video game, has he? Well, it was another one of those scenes that reminded me of Jason X where it's like, so the characters (laughs) can only see what the camera is showing us. Yeah, that's a good point. (laughs) Maybe. Because the angles everything was at, somebody should have saw something. Oh, you would think so. That's what I was getting at, too, is, like, the couple, they tried to make you latch onto, is what I'm getting at, with that couple, and it's, like, mm, not so much. It's, like, nothing against those actors or actresses. For what their characters were, they did a good job. They did a pretty good performance. There was a time where a rat jumped on her, and I knew she was going to scream, and she was going to fuck things up. I saw that coming a mile away. Funny little tangent, I'll say really quick about that rat. Never thought I was going to be talking about a rat on the show. (laughs) In this extent, considering that we haven't even talked about Willard. <laughs> what I was going to say is, I listened to an interview Frank Grillo had. Mm-hmm. 
And he talked about that scene. He's like, there's a scene where that rat jumps up on Keeley. Now, that rat was actually a trained rat. <laughs> it's like an actor rat, right? He says, but the thing about downtown Los Angeles is there's actually a lot of rats. And you don't realize it. He says, because when they had that rat on set getting ready to do that, he said, you wouldn't believe it, but like 200 of those rat buddies came out to watch this shit. <laughs> and people on set, you know, like the crew yeah. had to keep those rats back. Because they saw that rat and I suppose wanted to do what it was doing or see what the hell was going on. Yeah. So I was like, that is pretty funny. Wow. That's insane. Never thought I was going to be talking about that. Yeah. So that's a little side nugget. Okay. So since I bitched about they should have seen fucker that walked up and killed Shane. I'll get my other little problems out of the way. Yeah, I see what you mean by that. I see exactly what you mean by that. I'll I'll get my other little problems out of the way. If the Gatling gun was able to punch into the engine which was even more heavily armored from the front. It put about twice as many bullets into the side of that car as it ever did the hood. Yeah. Uh, They were all fucked. If it was what it said it was, right? Those armor-piercing bullets, no one's making it out of that scene. Nope. Also, you're trying to keep your murder squad secret, and you're having a fucker out there with a Gatling gun? Yeah, I know, right? It's like, way to announce yourselves. Even if they don't leave behind witnesses, they're leaving behind bodies that look like when Rambo in Rambo fucking shoots the guy with a 50 cal oh, yeah, in the front yeah, of the yeah, Jeep. Yeah, yeah. That's all you're going to be leaving. People are going to be asking questions if those are the bodies you're leaving. <laughs> no shit, right? They might be looking over the hundred other bodies with like normal bullet wounds. Oh but when gosh. you're putting fucking 50 rounds into somebody's It's torso, noticeable. Yeah, it's very noticeable. One thing... We're talking about, you know, some of the gunplay and stuff. One thing I like that they did in this film, and they spelled it out completely, is during the emergency broadcast, when the purge is about to commence, you know, they warn that if you use certain types of explosives, you know, oh, they're... which comes Well, back. They, they won't say what happens, but they're off limits, and it actually gets played out in this. And I was like, oh, good. Yeah. You will be prosecuted. Oh, you I, was will like, be prosecuted. I was like, oh, shit. You could barely hear that kind of like a thud in the background. I'm like, what the fuck is that? Right? And yeah, our boys come to the rescue and start mowing people down. And I mean, I like the fact that they were using the government aspect of purging. Mm-hmm. It's like too many people don't want to participate, so we have to supplement. Also, just my one other gripe with this movie. Fuck all the CGI fucking bullet hits. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty noticeable. Under, yeah, it's fuck the noticeable CGI bullet hits. Guess what? When you're doing it in those dark scenes, we can't tell. But when you unload uh, yeah, on like Diego in the hallway, it's pretty noticeable. It looks like fucking computer graphics are pouring out of his back, not blood. Yeah, I agree. Now, I did want to talk a little bit about that, like the actual inside the apartment scenes. I liked, like, so we initially don't know exactly who those people are in the semi-truck and, you know, those guarded soldiers or whatever the fuck they are. I was like, all right, now we know this shit's getting ratcheted up inside, right? And we know kind of what's going to happen outside as well. You know, that's pretty well spelt out. Diego was fucked up. He was rapey. I think that's what you're getting at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Licking her face and all that shit. It's like, that's kind of weird. Yeah, he gets mowed down. They snatch her up. Well, it never comes kid. back, and it feels like they no. were setting it up. But even her boss before that was... Carlito. Yeah. Carlos. Yeah. That guy. Yeah, he put out those vibes. I'm going to pick Eva up tonight. Yeah, they were putting out these weird, creepy vibes. Even the guy that was, like, trying to sell shit on the street, we take all forms of payment. Yeah. You know, so they were throwing out those creepy vibes. 
Now, once they got out, you know, of course, they were drug out. Frank pulls up on them. I was like, yes. That's when I knew, yes, he's going to be a badass. And he was. I liked everything yeah, he that was. he did in this film. I can't express how much I like him, honestly, in this film. I mean, even his backstory, you know, it's kind of predictable and, you know, it's cliche and all that stuff. But I can look past the fact that they were using it as, as like, maybe a white knight, like we're talking about. I can look past that. Oh, yeah. I think for the most part, I did, too. It was just... Yeah, when you look at, at it symbolically, point, like, ooh. yeah, it's like, ooh, yeah, allegorically and all that stuff. It's like, ooh, god damn, y'all, this fucked up. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that aspect of it. It's because there is a huge political overtone in this film. You know, you can't help but pay attention to it, especially in this film. I and did, come on, this next one's called Election, election year. year. We're just going to be getting to it even more. Now, I mentioned that they did reveal one of the founding fathers. I thought that was kind of neat. And, of course, he was an old waspy guy. Mm-hmm. I should have wrote down what his name was, but I was like, all right, at least we kind of get an idea of who these fucking people are finally. And they kept it minimalist enough just to finally get an image. He kind of gave a brief nod of why they're doing what they're doing, what it means for the nation, all that shit. I know I'm kind of jumping around with my ideas, but getting back to that whole a nation reborn thing, there was license plates, if you notice that in the film. All of them had it on there. Because I was wondering, I was like, I don't see state. Normally in a film, you'll catch like state plates, you know? Oh, right. You can tell where they're from or where they were shooting at least. So I was like, oh, I'm going to look for California. No, they actually put it on the license plates, Nation Reborn, and that was kind of neat. Nice little touch. But they still do the whole refrain, you know, about the purge, the cleansing, and all that shit. I thought that was kind of cool. They're still using that. Which I did think during getting ready to hunt them in the warehouse at the end, I thought Frank was just going to be badass enough that he was going to take advantage. Get them all right there. Well, because that was the only time when they had a light shining down and they weren't using... I mean, he ends up just taking them out in the fucking dark anyway, even without... To get their night vision. Yeah. But because they had a light on them, I thought he was just going to bust in the center oh, he... and fucking wipe them all out, like right there in front of everybody. Yeah. I think he's made me thinking safety in numbers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, divide and conquer. <laughs> but no, I like that too. I liked how they use that like arena setting, but it was more like a sculpture garden, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I like that, you know, because it gives you a little bit more insight about what these waspy old money people like to do. It gives you a little bit more insight to that. Speaking of which, one of my favorite parts of this movie was the fate of the father. Oh, yeah. Papa and Rico. that little aspect. That was fucked up, but I understand it. Selling himself to be a martyr. I, <laughs> trigger words, once again, martyrs. Yeah. is like, he wants to be a martyr. We know about martyrs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but never showed anything. We knew what happened to him. He was old. He was dying. Didn't want to take his medicine. He was paid, you know, healthy, 100, wealthy. Yeah, and Which I understand why he did it. They don't go into it, but then this movie, they're rich, bitch. Yeah, rich, bitch. New money, <laughs> hood money, <laughs> good enough to get out of the city, money for at least the time being. But yeah, so that kind of spells what his fate was all about. So it goes back to the ritual pay so they don't have to go into the city to do the purging. They can just bring the purge to them. So you would think theoretically that means in the first movie that's probably what happened to the the stranger. stranger. Yeah. Now that's something I meant to look at too was I think it was a year following. So it was kind of like the next year. Mm -hmm. Of course, it's just a different setting. It still borrows from that, you know. Well, he didn't sell himself, but he would have got probably yeah, probably same fate and and all that stuff. Yeah, and sold and which makes sense now. I mean, when you look at like where did he come from? Why was he in that neighborhood to begin with? Why were there so many people chasing him too? Yeah, (laughs) you know, it's like maybe it was the parents of those kids who bought them, and they're just kind of like the thugs who's going to go collect them back. (laughs) 
to finish the purge, but who knows? They don't spell it out fully, but it gives you enough to kind of, you know, see which direction they were going in. Exactly. I don't really have much more on this one. Outside of the fact that I like just the whole being chased, I mean, it gives you a good idea. I like the establishing shots. At least you know, yeah, this is taking place in the city. There's parts in the subway we kind of mentioned briefly, the gunplay and all that stuff. Shane gets the bullet wound. Dude, the action in this is worth it alone. I liked it. One other thing I do want to talk about, just briefly, Mm -hmm. was the apartment scene with Tanya and her family. Oh, okay, yeah. That was kind of... Yeah, yeah. I know it was just kind of like a beat. They needed to put a beat in this film. But I kind of liked it, too. Did you think, after she popped the pills, that she was going to come on to Frank? That she was going to see him looking over there? Well, she did call him, like, tough guy, right? Mm -hmm. She's like, you want to drink tough guy? Why that? Yeah, I thought, as, I thought when she got done popping the pills that she was going to look up and see him looking there and sort of start. I was wondering if there. she's going to look over. Yeah, because it wasn't like they were very far. It's in a fucking apartment, so you don't have a whole lot of room. Right. I was anticipating her to look over, like, "Oh, you busted me, and I'm going to throw it on you." <laughs> you know. No, I didn't play out that way. Instead, she went after the brother-in-law, and her sister snapped. Wasn't the only time she went after the brother-in-law. Oh no, no, we found so. out. Yeah, yeah, we found out exactly what was going on with them. But for those who want to know, that form of family crime—it's called sororicide. <laughs> it's when sisters kill each other. Oh, yeah. So for those who want to know, <laughs> that's what it is. I kind of saw it with a little bit of the comments the sister made. She was talking about her husband when they were coming into the house. Oh, yeah, I remember Being that. a laughing stock and all this shit, the whole neighborhood. She was throwing little jabs out there. And she also was talking about, what do you mean by, I know about mom's cooking. You know, she was taking all these jabs and she was throwing them back. So I knew there was something up with her. And she was distant enough from the rest of the family where I knew something was a little bit off. And then, of course, it's like, oh, shit. Right. They're fucked again. <laughs> and there's no car. Yeah, there's no car. They're fucked. That's when the street gang picked them up. And then I was like, oh, shit, now what? And then, yeah, we talked about it. It's like, oh, this is a little bit more fucked up allegorically and symbolically than I thought. Yeah. Still, overall, good movie. Good movie. The I beats didn't enjoy are there. as much as I thought I was going to, but it doesn't mean I didn't enjoy it. No, no, I still enjoy it. It's rewatchable value. I didn't mind watching it two times. I'd say this one's more rewatchable than the first first one just because of the action scenes. I agree. It's a little bit longer, too. It's like Mm -hmm. maybe 10 minutes or so longer, but it's still got a good pacing to it, so I'm getting at. Minus for no Lena Headey. (laughs) Yeah. Ethan Hawke, I do like him. You get bonus points because the redeeming qualities of Omar and Frank. Yeah. Frank Morse. Oh, well, I won't say Frank Morse. I do like Michael Dude, K. a lot. Yeah, when he came in, good. he was a badass, too. Fuck your money. <laughs> <laughs> he was good, man. I liked everything about him. It was cool when the first time I was watching it, he popped up because the girl Callie right, was watching. watching. I was like, the oh, yes, Omar's in this. Fuck yeah. Yeah, I know. That's the same, same way I reacted. I was like, oh, okay. Fuck yeah. You guys got my money for the rest of this movie. I completely lost sight of the fact that Stranger was back in this Edwin Hodge. Like, I knew that he was, but I wasn't thinking See, I was, about I it. I was waiting for him, and then when he was in it as little as he was, I was a little bit disappointed. Likewise, but, but I was like, it well, was at least cool. he's better off, and he's a part of this cool anti-NFFA group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I like that, but you're right. They didn't really do a lot with him, outside of the fact that we know he's a part of this group now. And he's back. Yeah, he's back. 
And we'll continue to be back, looks like. Yeah, so, so there's going to be some recurring actors, not very many, some new faces for next week. But yeah, overall, suggest it. I like this film. It does take place in the cities, got a bigger budget, so they got to play a little bit more with it. Still didn't deviate from the murder aspect, which I wish they would have done a little bit more. Yeah, or made the murders more intense. Yeah, it could have been a lot more violent, given the scenarios, but... You know, overall, still, I mean, I know now that I see a couple more of these films from Blumhouse, I kind of see what they do overall. It's like they don't go too extreme. They go We're not just watching enough. Unearthed. No, not even fucking close, man. In a weird way, we've seen more low-budget films that do a lot more push the boundaries further than this. Headless. Oh, easy. I mean, even Found pushes yeah. it further. And that's ultra-micro-budget. <laughs> But that does not take anything away from this franchise. I like that they even play with this subject. Yeah, I like it too. I'm still excited going into the next one. Yeah, I don't have any regrets for watching these films. I'm glad we're watching them. So far, two for two. Honestly, the next one to me has the most exciting cover picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen it. Looks good. So... Still don't know a lot about it, though. Still don't know a lot about it. Well, I know a little bit about this, because I remember when the trailers were up. I remember the trailers, but even then, it's like, I don't think I paid close attention to them, because I'd See, never I seen did. any of them. I kind of did, because I've always wanted to watch them. So I know what it's about, but only as much as the trailers told me. So Yeah, so even that alone is just vague. But in order to listen to us do that next week... <laughs> yeah, it's kind uh-huh. of our conclusion without going to the theater, but yeah, it's going to end our run. Yeah. Up to this point. So in order to hear us finish off The Purge, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Or you can always head over to our website, www.friedsquirms.com. Up at the top is links to ways to listen to us. Down at the bottom, you can always stream our latest episode or go search our archives for whatever other you want. We are on Instagram, Fried Squirms Podcast. Love the pictures. Facebook, Fried Squirms. We are, We still tweet? We do. At Fried Squirms? At Fried Squirms. We still have that. You can still email us at our email address, Squirmcast. Oh, yeah, Squirmcast at, at gmail. gmail.com. Or use the contact form on our they website. They both work. We have confirmed both. Actually, I do want to make one mention real quick. I you was going to say, do you have the name of the chap? I mean, maybe not his full name to keep his anonymity a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I'll we just did, use first names. We do like to shout out when people give us very, very kind words. And yeah. And we received some of those this week. So. We certainly did. And I did want to mention it, even though they said it was no big deal. To us, it's a big deal. But I did want to say thank you to Brett. We did get a really cool email. He and his lady friend are living up in Syracuse. She's studying, trying to get her PhD degree, which I thought was really cool. He even mentioned that she came back from like Mount Everest doing study. So big ups. Did want to thank them for listening. I do want to thank him for contacting us. We do have a recommendation we'll try to get around to at some point. So yeah, man, thanks a lot, Brett. We appreciate the kind words and thank you for listening. And hint, hint, you can get shouted out on your fucking favorite podcast. You know, yeah, fried I mean, just by, we're real people. Just by, you know, fucking writing to us, so. Yeah, exactly. And now, you know, even if you say it's no big deal, we still like to give out the love. Yeah, so thank you once again. And we hope to hear from more of you, honestly. Yeah, don't be shy. We'll communicate. You know, if you want to keep your anonymity, we can do that as well. We can do that. But, yeah, I'm Tyler for this week. Yeah, I'm still Danny, I hope. Fried Squirms out. Ooh.